0: Welcome to episode 131 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to invite you to leave the darkness and the shadows of sin. Let's dive in. I've been just kind of pondering over the last <clears throat> few weeks, just the uh, state of our culture and where the culture is heading. And and it's fascinating when we look at the life of a Christian and compare it to the life of the culture, you realize there's, there's supposed to be a very distinct difference between that of a believer and that of a culture. And it's just been interesting as I've been watching all the stuff that's been taking place over the last several months, it just seems like more and more uh, the world is creeping into the church or darkness is taking over the light or there's a propagation of, of just the perverseness and all that kind of stuff, and there's this progression or this downward sloping trajectory that it seems like we were on. And I've just been freshly pondering that, and I just want to give a thought uh, this morning in light of all of that. Uh, it's interesting, in John chapter 3, uh, this Pharisee shows up to Jesus in the middle of the night, and uh, named Nicodemus, he comes to Jesus and is asking some questions and, and trying to figure out what on earth is going on in the man called Jesus. And of course, in Jesus, in John chapter 3, is given this phenomenal declaration. Obviously, one of the most famous verses of all time uh, shows up in verse 16. But right after the For God So Love the World passage, Jesus makes this comment uh, down in verse 19 of John chapter 3. Jesus says to Nicodemus, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. I just find that so fascinating. Jesus is saying that light has come into the world, speaking of himself, and yet though there is light, men are desiring darkness rather than the light. Now, it does make sense on one level. Have you ever been in a dark room and someone takes a flashlight and shines it bright in your face? Right, You squint and you probably scream and you punch them right? because it hurts. And there, there is a reality of that. I, I, that totally makes sense to me. Right? So here is Jesus. He, he is a light. He comes into the middle of a dark world. The moment he shows up, people are turning from the light and embracing their darkness. Why? Because their deeds are evil. That they're delighting in their evil. Now here's what is so concerning to me about this verse. The word that men loved darkness rather than the light, that word loved in the Greek is the Greek word agape. Now if you grew up in the church, that may be awkward to you because how I've always heard the word agape defined is God— agape is God's love. It's the God kind of love. It's the unconditional love of God for his people. And that is true. So I'm not downplaying that. But it is interesting that while that is true, there are a couple of times in Scripture where the negative form of this is used, and this is one of those. So you get this idea then, and again, when we translate it God's love, for the most part, that is how it's used in Scripture— but the idea of agape really is this aggressive, unconditional, you can't stop it, uh, I, I'm going to be full tilt after one single thing. And that is God's love. I mean, if you turn back to John 3.16, for God so agape the world that he gave his only begotten son. Well, what kind of love is that? Well, it is aggressive. It is It is. Full tilt. This is, hey, unconditional. Hey, you, you cannot earn this. You cannot do something to get rid of this. I mean, he is, he's aggressively going after you in love. Why? Because he loves you. Well, what is the greatest expression of this? The cross. That while we were enemies, Christ died for us. And it, it is that aggressive, unconditional kind of love that God has. And so it, it is a fair term to say that agape is God's love <clears throat> because that's 99% of the way times it's used in Scripture. But isn't it interesting? That John, as as you're recording the words of Jesus, is using the word agape to define the kind of love that humanity has for darkness. Well, what, what kind of love does humanity have for darkness? It's not fickle. It's not a fickle kind of love. The kind of love that humanity has for darkness is aggressive. It is full tilt. It is an unconditional love for darkness. And it does, hey, you can do whatever you want. I'm going to embrace my darkness with all that I have kind of stuff. Isn't that interesting? That is such a great definition or a great enunciation of our culture today. That here, light is coming into the world, and we are, as Christians, we are bearers of the light. And there is this light, there's truth. The gospel is in the world today. And yet, what has humanity done? Humanity is turned from the bright spotlight of light, Jesus, and is embraced, has this unconditional, aggressive, full tilt, passionate love for their darkness. Why? Because their deeds are evil. Now, I am not surprised at all when the world lives like like that. In fact, it shouldn't surprise us because the world is going to embrace darkness. Uh, I've I've made the comment several times that uh, when I used to work with homeless guys, uh, it never once bothered me if a homeless guy swore. I expect them to swear. Why? Because they are not Christians. I, that, that sounds like bad. I'm make, making all homeless people not Christians. But in a general sense, right, I'm, I'm ministering this person. Uh, they're, they're, they have all this profanity. Hey, that doesn't bother me. Why? Because I'm trying to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm not surprised if, if a secular person out there uh, has language. Why? Because at one level, I expect that. Now, I don't like it. But that's very different than if someone, uh, you know, in, in, the, in an Ellerslie semester starts swearing. I will have a problem with that. Well, it's the same words. Yeah, but it's different. Because I expect the world to live like the world. I do not expect Christians to live like the world. And isn't it a sad commentary that in our day and age, and maybe at an unprecedented level, maybe, it just seems like the darkness is creeping into the church, that the ones who are called to bear the light are the ones who are propagating darkness. They're the ones who are allowing the darkness in. It's the ones who are you realize Jesus Christ has saved us from the power of darkness. And no longer should we love the darkness. No longer should we agape the darkness. We are now called to love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates, which means we should hate the darkness and embrace the light. If you have your Bibles, turn over a few pages to Colossians. Uh, I love the statement that Paul makes in Colossians chapter 1. In light of all this, obviously he's talking to the saints and the believers in Colossae, and Paul says this in Colossians chapter 1. I'll start with verse 12. He says, giving thanks to the Father who has enabled us, get this, to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 13, he has delivered or transferred us from the power of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins. So, Paul is saying, Yeah, it's true. You were in the middle of darkness. Hey, you were a part of the kingdom of darkness. Hey, you were agape the things of the darkness. Why? Because your deeds were evil. But what has Jesus Christ done? He has literally freed you from the power of darkness, he has delivered you from it, and he has transferred you in the kingdom of his dear Son, which is light. Isn't that an amazing reality? I I love that verse. That is such an exciting verse that no longer do I have to be wrapped up in the middle of darkness. No longer do I have to be chained and uh, and, and just under the tyranny, the the thumb of sin any longer. I've been set free from all of that and now I get to embrace a new reality in life called the kingdom of his dear son, which is Jesus, who is the light itself. And no longer do I have to participate in the works of darkness. Now I have the opportunity to be a partaker of the light. So, do you realize how foolish and how stupid it is when we who are in the light turn toward the things of the darkness? And I am guilty of this. It is so stupid, though. How enticing the world is. Have I mean, you turned over a page to uh, Colossians chapter 3? It's interesting that he's continuing on this idea that you're you have this brand new life in Christ Jesus. That again, he's transferred you from the kingdom of darkness and he's brought you into the kingdom of light. And he says this in Colossians chapter 3. Paul writes, If you then were raised with Christ, desire those things from above where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Yeah, we might be in the world, but we are not to be of the world. That, hey, you should not be wrapped up in the, in the mentality, in the darkness of the world itself. Uh, verse 3. For you are dead, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, I love this phrase, when Christ, who is our life, what a great enunciation of the Christian life, but when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then you also shall appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death the parts of your earthly nature, sexual immorality, uncleanness, or affection or passions, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. And then he says, hey, you also once walked in these when you lived in them. But now you must also put away all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, and filthy language, out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you put off the old nature with its deeds and embraced a new nature, which was renewed in knowledge after the image of him who created it. In other words, yes, you were in the middle of darkness. Hey, and darkness defined your life. But in Christ Jesus, you are no longer in the middle of darkness. You are now smack dab in the middle of the light. So live accordingly. It makes no sense if you're in the light to start going back and participating in the works of darkness. Uh, Paul says the same thing in Ephesians, if you want to turn over there. Uh, I love, and obviously I've been studying Ephesians for a long time here, but uh, love Ephesians, and he says something very similar. It's a parallel passage. But in Ephesians chapter 4, starting verse 17, Paul says, Therefore this I say and testify in the Lord, that from now on, Uh, You walk not as the other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their minds. He says, hey, yeah, you were outside. Hey, yes, you were a Gentile. Yes, you were a pagan. But hey, you are not to live that way anymore. And I love how he says this. He says, in the vanity of their minds. Uh, One scholar translated this, in this foolish stupidity of their thinking. So how am I to live? Not as the world lives. Why? Because the world, the way the world lives is in a foolish stupidity of thinking. Uh, He goes on and says, having their understanding darkened, there it is again, the idea of darkness, excluded from the life of God through the ignorance that is within them due to the hardness of their hearts. Being calloused, they have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But get this statement in verse 20. But you did not learn about Christ in this manner, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, and here's the, here's the statement, that you put off your former way of life in the old nature, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new nature which was created according to God in righteousness and true holiness." And Paul is using clothing language. He's saying, hey, take off that former way of living. Hey, take off the darkness like an old overcoat. Hey, don't put this thing on you. How am I to live? Well, you are clothed with Christ Jesus. Isaiah says you've been clothed with the robe of righteousness, which is Jesus Christ himself. You realize if I am clothed with Jesus Christ, darkness, that old overcoat, should not be a part of my life. It is to be burnt. It is to be thrown out that I am not to participate in the twisted pollution perverseness of our culture. Now, I understand we live in the world, and I thank God that I get to eat the things of the world. So good. He made them. Right? So this is not, hey, uh, let's go go down to the desert and create a monastery and, you know, kind of completely remove ourselves from the world. That's not at all what Scripture is saying. Because the reality is we are in the world, and that's not a bad thing. The problem is, is when the world is inside of us. Is it wrong to watch a movie? Not necessarily. But what kind of movies are you watching? I love Little House on the Prairie. In fact, I spiritually am edified when I watch Little House on the Prairie. I don't know how. But I, I know I am. Because I just I love Jesus more at the end of those episodes. That's very different than watching some junk show. See, it's, isn't it interesting that like every good thing has been twisted by the culture. Every, every good thing that God has created has been twisted by the enemy. Uh, you, you, food is great. I, I love food. But you realize there's a twisted version of that. Sleep is amazing. I love sleep. Oh, I love sleep more and more. But there's a twisted version of that. And you can actually become lazy and, uh, and it's just, you just become... Uh, sucked into this whole idea of, I I just need constant sleep, and I don't want to ever work, and I don't, there's a twisted version of that. Sexuality is phenomenal, but you realize there's a twisted version of all that. So you get this idea then that, that that it's not, it's not, how would I say this? Well, I'll just say this way again. We are, we are to be in the world, but the world is not to be inside of us. That we are bearers of the light, which means as the light, we are to go into the middle of darkness and shine forth the light. But the moment that the darkness starts creeping into the heart of those who are supposed to be full of light, you realize that light becomes damp, dampered, and that light will not shine any longer. It's interesting if you flip over page to Ephesians 5, Paul says the same thing. He says in verse, uh, Ephesians 5, 8, he says, For you were formerly darkness... But now you are light in the Lord. Therefore, walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, proving what is pleasing to the Lord. And do not have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Hey, you are called to be of the light. So therefore, walk as children of light. Participate in the realities of the light. Delight yourself in the things of the light. Hey, do not allow the darkness and the pollution of darkness to corrupt and change you. Hey, do not be on this downward spiral like we are as a culture where those who are called to be light are becoming darkness and propagators of the darkness. Uh, If I can freshly remind you that phenomenal passage in 1 John. Uh, John is writing, and he says this, uh, John 2.15, he says, do not love the world Or the things in the world? If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world and its desires are passing away, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. You realize we are in the world, but not of the world. And therefore we should not love the things of the world that our affections should be that for Jesus Christ and the things that he delights in, not the twisted pollution junk of the world. Uh, I I love this statement by uh, Thomas Watson, and uh, he's talking about the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian, and the fact that uh, if if a non-Christian sees sin in their life, that's very different than if a Christian discovers sin in their life. Listen to how Thomas Watson describes this. I just thought this was such a great statement. He says, there is as much difference between sin in the wicked and sin in the godly as between poison being in a serpent and poison being in a man. Poison in a serpent is in its natural place and is delightful, but poison in a man's body is harmful and he uses antidotes to expel it. So sin in a wicked man is delightful, being in its natural place. But sin in the child of God is burdensome, and he uses all means to expel it. Isn't that a great statement? I love this idea that the moment that a Christian discovers any ounce of shadow or darkness within them, what should they desire to do? They should desire to expel it by any means necessary, because it is not in its natural place. And yet it is the very same thing that the wicked delight themselves in. There's that great statement, Uh, this scholar comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, if you were to somehow, hey, if you were to somehow summarize the entirety of the law, how would you describe the entirety of the law? And it's interesting to me that Jesus goes back into the scriptures, back into Deuteronomy chapter 6, and quotes to the scholar the passage that the scholar would have known very, very well. And of course it's called the Shema. Uh, It's that thing that was quoted every single morning and every single night. Uh, the, first thing they went, uh, the first thing they would do down at the synagogue, they would, they would all enter the synagogue, first thing they would do is quote the Shema. Uh, the scrolls that are on the doorposts of the Jewish houses, right? What are they contained with? The Shema. And what does the Shema say? It says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And of course, he adds it with all your strength. Do you realize that our life as a believer is to be all gung-ho after one single thing? Jesus Christ that all of our affections all of our heart all of our mind all of our strength is be aimed in one single direction and that is for the glory of Jesus Christ that we desire as bearers of the light to be spilled and spent for king and the kingdom So I guess here's the practical question How much of the world is in our life how much of darkness has invaded our thinking our living our speaking how much, of, how much of the darkness are we putting up with? Because it's interesting to me, it's really fascinating, if you go into a room and the, and the sun starts going down and it gets darker and darker and darker, your eyes start to adjust, and you seem to, at times to think you're still in a room full of light, even though it's a room being invaded by darkness. And I'm almost convinced what we need is a fresh conviction of the Holy Spirit to come into every aspect of our life and say, hey, see this area? That is not to be in your life. Because we get adjusted to the darkness. We start to justify the darkness to the point where we don't even realize there is darkness in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds. And what we need is a fresh reality, a fresh poking of the Holy Spirit who comes in like a burning fire and literally begins to burn up the dross of our life. So would you allow a fresh the Holy Spirit to come into your life today and to expose any ounce of darkness and pollution? any aspects of the world that you are delighting yourself in. Hey, would you allow the Holy Spirit to freshly invade your mind and say, see that thought? That is not to be there. Hey, see this area you've been justifying, this area of your life. See this form of entertainment? Hey, you, sh- you need to stop. Because the reality is, as Christians, our lives should be utterly different than the world around us. We are called to be holy and set apart and different and other than the world around us. The way we talk, the way we think, the way we act, the way we live is completely different from the world around us. In fact, the world should look at us and go, you're not one of us. Because we're not. So would you let the Holy Spirit freshly come in? Would you let the Holy Spirit freshly convict? Would you let the Holy Spirit freshly analyze every aspect of your life and see if there is any wicked way within us? And if we've been justifying darkness, if we've been... Uh, plain with the shadows. May we freshly repent and throw ourselves upon the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for us and who desires us to walk in light. For he has transferred us from the kingdom of darkness and has brought us into his kingdom, the kingdom of light. What a phenomenal reality. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Lord, thank you that though we are in the world, the world doesn't have to be within us. Lord, I pray that the things of the world would grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace, that somehow our eyes would be turned upon you. And it's a reality that I found, Jesus, that whatever I focus on grows bigger and stronger in my life. And if I focus on the things of the world and the things of darkness, it only grows and gets bigger and stronger in my life. But if I would keep my gaze fully focused upon you, if, if I would intentionally, aggressively go after you, then you get bigger and stronger in my life. And the things of this world do grow strangely dim. Lord, I pray that you would just freshly invade our lives, our hearts, our minds, and that you would pinpoint any areas of shadows or darkness that is within us. Lord, I pray that any wicked way within, that you would that you would expose, that you would bring us to the place of repentance, that we would desire life and godliness. Lord, I pray that we would not justify or placate darkness in our life. Lord, I pray that we would not trifle and play with sin. Lord, I ask that you would raise up in this generation a body of believers who hate the darkness but delight themselves in the light. Lord, I pray that you would so fill us with your light, that as we march out into this world and just live our normal everyday lives, that somehow your life and your light would be shining bright through our very existence. Lord, we are not the light, but we are bearers of the light. May we bear your light well. Lord, I pray that you would freshly cleanse and transform every aspect of our life. And Lord, I pray for just the culture as a whole. I pray for the Christians worldwide that their light would grow brighter, not dimmer. Lord, I pray that as we're navigating this this season where it seems like so many leaders are are starting to fall into darkness afresh, Lord, I pray that you would bring great conviction. I pray for their souls. I pray that you would uh, convict them. I pray for repentance, that you would bring them back, that you would woo their hearts. And Lord, I pray that for those who are uh, following, Lord, I pray that you would give us a fresh determination not to merely be friends with the world, and somehow see how close to the world we can get. But Lord, I pray that you would bring us to the place where we are utterly different than the world. And even if it means the world has to silence our voice, may your light so shine through our lives in this dark and dreary world. For Lord, your light has come. And I pray that we would not love darkness, but rather we would delight and love the light. So, Lord, bring forth revival. As we are heading down a slippery slope, I I just pray, God, that you would somehow stop the trajectory of which we are heading. I pray that there would just be a great movement of your spirit, that your word would be lifted high, that your life, your truth, and your gospel would be proclaimed. And I pray that lives would change, that lives would be convicted, that there would be repentance, and there, there would be a turning in this culture away from darkness and back to light. Lord, we need revival. But Lord, perhaps that revival needs to first start in my life. So Lord, I freshly throw myself upon you and say, have at it. Would you expose anything that should not be there? And would you change any aspect of my my life? Lord, we love you. Thank you that you have not left us in the darkness, but you have transferred us into the dear kingdom of yourself. We just give you the praise and the glory in your precious, powerful name we pray. Well, that was a recording that I gave just a couple of days ago for one of our Daily Thunder sessions. I just thought since it was such a pressing in my heart that I would share it with you on the podcast today. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 131 for episode 131. And until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around the one who is light itself, Jesus Christ.